You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, how have the first few days of training camp gone for you? I don't know. It's gone so fast, I, I, I don't remember any of it. No, that's not true. I do. I do remember, but it's... It's uh, it's quite an experience to go through every year, and uh, I'm, I always forget how busy it is and how crazy it gets during crazy uh, during training camp. Yeah, this is this is the calendar. Super Bowl happens, and then you blink, and then yeah. it's the draft, and then you blink, and then it's the start of the camp, and then you blink, and then we're eating Thanksgiving dinner, and then uh, <laughs> you blink again, it's Christmas, and you blink again, it's the Super Bowl. And that's the calendar that we go through at Arrowhead Bread. But uh, no, we are a couple days in here for chiefs training camp and it's exciting you know this this is a team that has another chance to try their turn here at repeating a super bowl champions second time here in four years they get to to try to do something that hasn't been done in 20 that's only been done eight times by seven different franchises so you know that a lot of people are paying attention to this team the chiefs will have a target on their back and we have started to learn things about the 2023 edition here in the first few days of training camp i hope you've been listening to our updates every day we are in our new and regular pod schedule right now so i know steve's been cranking out these podcasts for you guys so we appreciate that before we get into the news we have to get into john we do have a review oh all right all right and it's from dc to aa uh steve let me know that this gentleman or lady i guess was upset about the mouse clicking, which he has addressed. So now he has come back. He or she has come back and left us five stars. I'm checking Arrowhead Pride throughout the day for updates from Pete and the team. For those of us who can't be there, their work is the main way to understand what's happening in St. Joe. Thank you. I wonder if Chris Jones will show up to camp once pad come once the pads come on, when it really starts to matter for the big guys. And that'll lead us into our first topic. By the way, after the break, we will get into the five things from training camp that Pete thinks actually matter. And so stay tuned for that. But let's get into Chris Jones, DC to AA. Thank you for the five-star review. Chris Jones chose not to show up. And as we stand right now, doing some quick quick math in my head, he has lost $50,000 per fine every day. So that's Saturday, that's Sunday, that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So 50,000 times five, John. That is a court of a million dollars he has foregone as he tries to make a point that he wants a new contract from the Kansas City Chiefs. He's entering the final year of what was a four-year deal signed in 2019. And I'll throw it to you and ask you this question, John. How surprised are you that that Chris Jones, A, didn't show up and B, hasn't shown up yet? 
Uh, not terribly surprised, I don't think. I mean, um, you know, he turned in a career season, essentially, uh, in 2022. And that's the moment when you have the most leverage uh, to get the best contract you can from a team. I, I know people are unhappy because, oh, he's on a contract, he should show up. Well, yeah, but, you know, teams can break contracts. So it's not like he's assured of a job. Um, you know, if teams can break contracts, then he should have the opportunity to sit down if he wants to and get a new one. That's just the way it is. And he's in a position right now where he's had a very good season and there would never be a better time for him to get the best deal he can. So I, I can't say that I'm surprised by it. I, I'm unhappy that it happened. I would much rather that they make a deal and he could come to camp and be ready to play the season. But this is the reality of the world we live in. The NFL world we live in is that uh, players can get new contracts, and um, sometimes this stuff happens, and we just have to deal with it. A lot of factors apparently go into this. It, it's Jones trying to make a point. There's been a number out there from Nate Taylor, a friend of the site of The Athletic, that says Jones is seeking something in the $30 million per year range, which would be under Aaron Donald. I think what has been interesting about this particular situation has been the reaction of head coach Andy Reid. You could tell from Reid's comments, and he kept it short, as he does, John. But mm -hmm. yeah. if you really go back to that press conference, and you can on the training camp reports from the podium, you could tell that Andy was not too thrilled with the whole situation. As you were saying, and I think some of our readers and our, our commenters have been saying Chris Jones is under contract and I think the Chiefs are working toward a new deal but it seemed to me like Reed at the end of the day even while they're working on this contract resolution expected Jones to report and whether he was trying to prove a point at the press conference or uh, simply he actually did expect him to report he, he made that clear he said he was surprised and the other part that was interesting to me was this idea of communication being cut off. One thing was uh, one thing that was asked of Reed was, well, what's the communication been like with Jones? And Reed essentially said, well, it, it was good and now it's not so good. And so I think you have this stalemate and I've wondered out loud if it's a case of Jones's camp saying, no, you get to this number and then he'll report. And the chiefs might be saying, no, now he has to report first and maybe then we'll talk about, that number and yeah. i i think you're in this little game of chicken here and yeah the reviewer's question was would he maybe show up for pads on friday i think it's possible my prediction had been that he would hold out make his point for a few days probably not want to take any more fifty thousand dollar fines and show up tuesday or wednesday that didn't happen i think friday is another day to watch and i think friday is a big day because if he doesn't show up Friday, I think the, this can turn into weeks. Now, I, I think that's a big day for, well, maybe he's putting his foot down and simply saying, I'm just not coming until I have a new deal. Whereas I, we've seen it in Minnesota and talked about this on the training camp reports. Neil Hunter also seeking a, a contract is doing the hold in thing where it's like, well, I'm here. I'm at the meetings. You can't find me but I'm not going to practice until we figure out a new contract. So I, I think there's a lot of options on the table in this new CBA version of the NFL with all these fines, John. Yeah. I, I also think that the fact that there's a no practice day tomorrow enters into this as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that might give 
the people in the front office a little more opportunity than they might have on any other day to get in there and talk to him. Maybe that's a day that Reed can get involved in it. I mean, he always says he doesn't get involved in these things. He leaves it all up to Brett Veach. But come on. <laughs> you know, Andy Reed is a part of this is part of this this ecosystem here. And he's not in a position that he can be involved in it on a day that there's a practice going on and they're having meetings in St. Joe. But on a day there's no practice, yeah, Andy Reid can make a phone call. So I think it's possible that tomorrow might make a little action happen and that might end up with them coming to a deal. I, You know, I don't think there's a lot of issues to resolve here. They just get they need to get to the same number and they're not there yet. That's all. Right. And they're, they're going to come to a final resolution. And so what better day to do it, as you're mentioning, than an off day It remains something to monitor. I hope I don't have to bring out a computer tomorrow, but I'll do it if Chris <laughs> Jones ends up signing a, a new deal. And I'm yeah. sure whoever's available on that off day will jump on here to, to talk about it and break it down. Uh, an emergency podcast right here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. So it's wait and see mode for Chris Jones. Also, John. Unfortunately, wait and see mode when it comes to Kadarius Tony. We found out mm-hmm. almost the worst news. I think just just shy of a season long injury. I mean, it's it's you know this yeah. indefinite unknown is is almost as you know it, it, it's close to as worse as it can possibly get. But Tony, he has his caveat, John. We had joked about it in previous editions of the editor show of like how excited everybody was for Tony. If, I mean, this, I think that was what you said. I, you were like, well, we always have to have this if, and it, and it's repetitive, but we always say it with Kadarius Tony, the if reared its ugly head in about 120 seconds at training yeah. camp <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. Kadarius Tony yeah. doing what they do at the beginning of every practice, which is yeah. check punts and yeah. <laughs> goes too hard on his knee. It seemed like there might have been some lingering issues with that knee, John, from I think some of the comments by Andy Reid after the injury. But as it played out here, Kadarius Tony tore or partially tore his meniscus, which does not sound good. And there needed to be some cartilage removed. Not good. When you're using those words, it's not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Chiefs are saying, John, that it, there's a chance they'll be ready for week one. I think they're being overly optimistic when they say that, even in just saying that there's a chance. I think what you're eyeing here, and this is just my opinion, you know, I haven't heard anything because I, I, I do think they're going to evaluate this as we go. There's 40 plus days until the regular season. But sure. I think the way this plays out is now in your 53 man rosters, and I'm going to do it in 2.0 when I come out with that. You have to factor in him on the 53-man roster. He is not eligible for the physically unable to perform list like Turk Wharton. So say Turk Wharton stays on that. There are you can he has no spot on the 53, and he's still on the roster, and he can come back. I believe it's after four weeks. You don't have that option with Tony. So now you have to do what you did. I, I think it was a few years ago with Chad Henney, where he's injured. Mm-hmm, right. He makes the 53, and then he could go on the IR to return. So as you're predicting this 53-man roster, there's a, a little bit of a wrinkle that you have to include with Kadarius Tony, and uh, I'll I'll get into a little a little bit more later. But there are scenarios in which the Chiefs end up keeping seven receivers, one of them being Tony. He goes to IR, and then that player you phantom cut, the Austin Ryder C.J. Spiller special. <laughs> Uh, we'll go have to go to somebody else, probably a veteran that agrees to to work with you, like Elijah Lee was willing to do. I think last year, right, John? So yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's where we're at with with the Kadarius Tony situation. What was your reaction? Uh, my reaction is: so you're saying there's a chance? 
mean, <laughs> that's right. that's the way we should interpret that remark from the Chiefs that there's a chance. I think right. that it's highly probable that he'll miss a few games this season. But we have to, you know, hold out hope that maybe, you know, he'll get done with it quickly. But honestly, I hope he doesn't because he's been let's face it, injury prone. And um, so I'm all in favor of him taking it easy until he is ready to return and can continue to play for a period of time. It's a lot more important to me that he gets right so that at the end of the season and the playoffs where we need him the most, uh, where the team needs him the most. See there, I did it again. I said, we, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, uh, in your pocket. You, you and the yeah. Team? yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's the postseason where, he'll be the most valuable to the team. So I'm all in favor of them taking it easy and slow with Tony and let's get him right and see how long he can hold up in a, in a regular season. I think you wish for the best. And I, I just, I think there has to be a a little bit of a philosophical discussion internally. And I imagine there had to have been where in a closed door situation, you got Clark in there, you got Brett and you got Andy and maybe Matt Nagy, right? And what's that discussion, this hypothetical discussion that I'm making up in my head? It's like, can we really build our offense around this guy anymore? I think you have to 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 think about that. And and that was part of my question to Andy Reid when this all came down was like, do you have time to really shift everything? And in a roundabout way, if you go back and listen to the press conference, he was like, you know, yeah, because there, there's so much time between now and the Detroit Lions game. Like, there's no shortage of plays that Andy Reid can figure out. So if there's one positive from this whole situation, it's when it happened, because maybe that means Kadarius can be available in that second. We can't do exact fourths anymore because there's 17 games, but like second quadrant <laughs> or whatever you want to call it of the season. Uh, and in the meantime, you have a month to figure out, well, how are we going to win games? But with him not available to us. But I was just think in the in the grander scheme, I think we came into this year saying this is Kadarius Tony's year. They can kind of build the offense through him. And I just think even if you're saying he's going to be healthy, let's say he is healthy for week one. Are you building the offense around him anymore? I just I don't think you can do that and feel like you can get through the night uh, and sleep through it if you're Brett Feach or Andy Reid. So I think it's created a, a big storyline for Kansas city in the sense that there's a grand pivot here. And I think it's going to be even from like an identity of the roster and how they're building this offense scheme wise. You know, I find it interesting that this is opening a discussion about how you prevent injuries in the NFL. Um, I think it's fair to say that there is something in the way that Tony plays mm-hmm. that makes it more likely for him to be injured you know if he it, while catching a pump in warm-ups he gets injured right you know it, it, and we're not talking about you know an achilles injury which can famously happen when you're almost standing still okay we're talking about something that happened because of a forces placed on the knee and i wonder if tony part of the reason that he is so spectacular on the field is that he plays in a way that makes him more prone to be injured. And that's something that I think is something we ought to talk about. You mm-hmm. know, is is this something that players can learn at an earlier age, for example, so that if they make it to the NFL, they can have long careers, it, it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 there may be something to it. I, 
you know, if you watch Tony play, he cuts very violently on it you know, mm-hmm. on, on, yeah. on his his legs there. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that that is part of what makes him uh, a great player. And it, it's a nice segue, John. We did this unintentionally, but it's a nice segue into Isaiah Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco is another player that is like he it, it's destruction derby when he's running yeah. the ball. Like he just rams <laughs> yeah. into defenders and doesn't really care about his body. And that's fun. And man, look at that angry runner. This is great. But then you get to the end of the Super Bowl and you have a torn labrum and a broken hand. And it's like, well, <laughs> is there some kind of backward theory to maybe taking a little bit off so that you can be a little bit more more durable? Uh, I, I'm I've grown to not be such a, a fan of some of the antics of Tyree Kill off the field. Um, and and obviously the the obvious stuff, but more so talking about like the podcast stuff and all the the churriness right, that right. happens. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing he always did in Kansas City was like you could see during the game that he made business decisions. And I and I always, you know, I think for a long time that was looked down upon in the NFL. Like, oh God, look, this is a guy who makes business decisions, not not willing to get the extra yard. But you know what? Tyree Kill was healthy the whole year. You know, for the most part. I know he went right. that that beginning of the season the, those four weeks. But, you know, he was always available. And so I, I think there's a happy medium and I think you might be onto something. And you wonder if some of the teaching for some of these guys who are considered violent runners and violent cutters changes somewhere along the lines to that they are available. But we'll see what happens with Tony. I, I don't think we're going to get an update for a while. I mean, I, I think yeah. this is going to cost him training camp at least. We'll see if he's back in the mix and we may not get real clarity from the team on this particular thing, you know, covering this team, I'll tell you until the when, Oh no, it would be the Monday actually before the week one game. That's when they have to tell us what's going on. If he, right. if he mm-hmm. is limited or on IR or whatever it ends up being. All right. So uh, we talked about Tony and I, I said about Pacheco, the good thing about Pacheco and, and again, two pieces of bad news to start the show, but Pacheco looks great. Yeah. And these past two days uh, I've, I'm having trouble remembering what day it is. It is Wednesday, so that means Tuesday he got his first snaps on seven on seven, and then Wednesday he got his first target and catch uh, in seven on seven. So coming along, the Chiefs are really drawing this out, being very slow about Pacheco's recovery. He's still wearing that yellow non-contact jersey, but I'm telling you, I'm watching this guy, John, he is going to be 100% ready for week one. And I even think, and, and I know fans are going to be like, no, don't suit him up. But I think there's a chance he could even perform in the first preseason game here in a couple weeks because there's just so much time right now, and he looks great right now. Well, and it's a great example of doing it the right way uh, that, you mm-hmm. know, he obviously prepared. When he spoke the other day, it was obvious that he's ready to go. He'll go out there and, and play. He's fine with how he feels. And the Chiefs are saying, no, 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 no. You need to get all the way back before we're going to let you take off that yellow jersey. and. Right actually get some contact and i approve of this i i approve of that message uh because we want uh, pacheco to be entirely healthy when the season begins when it matters the most but um i agree with you i, th- I think that he will want to be in the preseason game whether or not the chiefs will think he's ready is another question but there certainly seems to be some movement towards pushing him in that direction by letting him get a, a pass thrown to him today you know yesterday he was on the field uh, right but he wasn't you know really doing anything but uh and of course we may not see him do anything once they put the pads on on friday no i don't <laughs> i don't 
<laughs> I don't I don't anticipate that. I mean, I I still think there's just so much time right now. It, it's incredible yeah. how much time they have. It is the first preseason game. I'm looking right now just to double check. It is August 13th. It's only July 26th. So they could go another full week of this ramp up for Pacheco yeah. and then put it mm-hmm. have him have a week finally of when he's 100% and fully in practice and then they have the game. So there's just yeah. I think there's a lot of time and so far so good when it comes to Isaiah Pacheco. Not so good when it comes to John Ross, the wide receiver, came back, was trying to make it back in the NFL. Uh, we got uh, an excused absence from the Chiefs today on why he was not at practice on Wednesday. And we found out just before we, we got on, John, that he retired. So uh, that means uh, there's a vacant spot on the 90-man roster, right? The Chiefs have 89 yes. uh-huh. at yeah. this stage. So we'll mm-hmm. see what they do. Tough. For John Ross, we we know he had that record at the scouting combine at the forty yard dash. Went to the Andy Reid training camp and said, "I I don't I don't <laughs> want to do this anymore." And I wouldn't I don't blame you. I didn't want to stand there today in the ninety degree heat that felt like one hundred degrees. Uh, let alone put on a pad and jerseys and helmet and run around. And it's going to be ten degrees warmer on Friday, probably. I mean, yeah. it's just we're going we we're going to have a heat wave going on through the bulk of training camp mm-hmm. and uh it's all starting to happen right now it's 90 really degrees at 11 o'clock this morning the outdoor thermometer at my house is 101 right now so yeah um, it's really going to be hot I get, I get selected by the skins team in the shirts and skins media game <laughs> coming up this weekend brad g you can make that happen all right that's it for the news the news roundup here on the arrowhead pride editor show uh when we come back we'll answer a question someone tweeted at me and then we will get into the five things from the first days of camp that actually matter stay with us vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We just wrapped up day four of full Chiefs team training camp. We're heading into a day off on Thursday that we all need. And then pads come on. The pads come on on Friday. 
and the Chiefs will be working through the weekend. So will we right here at ArrowheadPride.com, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Steven Serta taking care of you there. I got a tweet from Tay Squared. Uh, so thank you for the tweet. And he tweeted at me, it'd be dope to understand what Steve Spagnolo means on the next editor's pod when he says uh, the following, John. There are nine categories to defensive efficiency. You guys have probably seen it before, and we want to be number one in the NFL. Defensive efficiency points allowed third down in the red zone, right? It's all the rankings in those particular categories. I'd like us to climb up there. I'm not going to worry about that week to week, but at the end of the year, I'd like that to be the ultimate goal. The chatter among the defense this week is that they have made the goal of being top 10. And John, you have actually noted this before on the website. I know for a fact that yards per game that are allowed, points per game that are allowed even, who cares about it? We want to be efficient as a defense. So uh, in a synopsis, uh, in, in a way, can you describe what Steve Spagnuolo means by those nine categories? We really don't know exactly, but um, right. we have an idea. I think he's got some kind of an in-house metric, or mm. it might even be a metric that's coming to him from an outfit like Pro Football Focus. Some third-party uh, provider is giving him information on what he called defensive efficiency, which sounds like DVOA uh, that comes from footballoutsiders.com, which stands for uh, Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. Hey, I managed to remember that right off the top of my head. <laughs> and that is basically a theoretical value of how efficient either your offense or your defense is. Yeah. Now, uh, Spagnolo talked about being, uh, well, I guess it was Nick Bolton who mentioned it, being 21st in efficiency last season over the course of the season. DVOA had the Chiefs at 17th. Uh, ranked 17th in the league. So it's it's a similar kind of metric, and it seems to have given, given roughly the same answer to Steve Spagnolo that we get from D, from football outsiders on the Chiefs defense last year. Good. A good example was that Bucks game where they were blowing the Bucks out. Remember this, yeah. John? Mm-hmm. And, and so in that game, all you want to do is keep the other team in bounds. So even if they're... Like if you're up by 17 points in the fourth quarter with like eight minutes to go, right? Who cares if they score? As long as they eat seven minutes a clock, right? So it's more of a contain. And so in that situation, you're going to be dinged up left and right by yards per game and points per game. Sure. You probably mm-hmm. shouldn't be, right? You're still an right. efficient defense because you're accomplishing the goal. And so I, I think long-winded turned into short-winded. That's what he's getting at. He's like, let's be in, as an efficient defense as possible. That's what we want to be top 10 in and so he's saying i look i don't want you to come up to me at the end of three weeks here and uh, be talking to me about how bad we are on defense all right okay all right so let's get into the most important part of our podcast and that is the five things from the first days of camp that actually matter i haven't told these to john a little bit of surprise here all right um but i'll go one at a time the first thing that i've learned and i i'm, I'm put it first because i'm gonna eat my vegetables first john and you know what? I should have known this. And, and I'm upset at myself because who do you see at Big Slick now every year? Big Slick KC. You always get this selfie of Peter Schrager and Brett Beach and Peter <laughs> Schrager and Andy Reid at the scouting combine. Peter Schrager always hanging out with the Chiefs, shouting out Arrowhead Pride, trying to butter us up. Steve can't even book him on the podcast. He doesn't even really care about Arrowhead Pride. 
And there he is always getting probably these tips from the chief's front office because it, it does seem like they have a very clear friendship and relationship to the point of having dinner. This, Peter Schrager has connections presumably with every team. Day one of the scouting combine, he's having dinner with the chiefs, right? A couple of months ago, I don't know if it was a month or two ago, he has on his breakout players of good morning football, Justin Ross. And I should have said to myself, if Schrager has Ross on this list, I should be giving him more attention. I should be taking him more seriously. Maybe, maybe not as much attention, but I should be taking him more seriously. And I didn't. And I laughed and I laughed and I said, this guy's never had a snap in the league and he's injury prone. And let's see if he can even make it through a week. And here we are now, John, through the first four days of camp. And he's getting a lot of snaps with Patrick Mahomes, like a lot, a lot. And Mm -hmm. uh, along with Rasheed Rice, and so already, even let's say the Tony injury doesn't happen, I still think he would be getting snaps with Patrick Mahomes. I think he certainly have ha- has had maybe a few more with Mahomes. And and here now I, I stand before you and I say, as I was alluding to in the last segment, I think the Chiefs have to probably keep seven receivers because I don't think Tony is going to be ready. I think they do a handshake deal with a Blake Bell or a Derek Noddy where they get him back the next day. I can't even say this. I got it in bed, a full cake on it. I, I'm thinking now that Justin Ross is that seventh receiver who makes the roster, and I, I, I hate to say it. Um, I don't hate to say it. I, I, it, I hate myself for bringing myself to this point where I have to say it and feel bad about it. I don't think you should feel bad about it. I think there are good and valid reasons to be concerned about whether he can make the team. Um, we have never seen him take a still haven't seen him take a a snap in a full contact practice. And that's going to be the key issue with him. He is, he has a condition that he's had surgically repaired, but he had a, a, a condition that normally would end a sports career, an athletic career. And he had a repair procedure. He's been cleared to play, but no one, with this condition has ever played in the NFL. We literally do not know what's going to happen. That right there is enough to be concerned about whether he can make the team. Yeah. And, and so I I think it's perfectly fair to have that doubt until we've seen him play and have some kind of a sense on how well he can survive and how well he can play uh, when the pads are on and when guys are going full speed, for example, in a preseason game, if we see, if we see Ross play, a great game in the preseason, I think we'll be able to say, well, yeah, this guy could easily make the roster and should make the roster. And we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So I don't think you should feel bad about it. Now I agree I, that maybe we should have seen this coming with Schrager. Yes, but, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And here's another thing. I think the key to this is he's huge. He's six, six feet four. And it's right. just, a re- it's a receiver that Mahomes has not really had yet. Yeah. And as far as a, a big target that can actually move downfield and you're just seeing signs that they're trying, they're trying to find a way for him to make the roster and they want him to prove it because like yesterday you have Pat and that he is, he doesn't, Justin Ross does not have the Kelsey Mahomes mind melt because Pat was wanted him <laughs> to run a fade a certain way in the end zone. And he just like, didn't run it correctly. You could see that Pat went up to him and asked after the talk. And he and Pat, under his own volition, talked about it at the podium mm-hmm. and said, yep. 
you know, Justin Ross, we tried it yesterday and uh, he didn't really like run it correctly. And that's why we're running it because we want him to do it in a game and score a touchdown in that sense. And I'm not, I don't think he's talking in that scenario about a preseason game. And then they go back to him today against the Chiefs' best cornerback of training camp, Trent McDuffie. He's looked great. He's like just missed about three or four interceptions. I, I think by the time we get to the middle of camp, he's going to be uh, going back and forth with Pat and actually knocking the ball away. He got a pass breakup yesterday, but right over McDuffie and like right into the back shoulder of Justin Ross down the sideline. It looked like it even might have been one hand. And <laughs> you're just like, I'm just like putting my hand on my face and I'm like, why did I laugh so hard about? the prospect of this guy making this team <laughs> now there's a long way to go right and i'm not rooting against him um and as you no, mentioned me yeah we have to um we have to see if he can make it through a training camp you know you you hate to compare compare him to Kadarius tony but since he's had that final year at clemson spilling into the league it's been similar in the sense it's just been tough to keep him on the field he missed all of last year the good thing was he was in the building with the kansas city chiefs and really got to i think learn the culture sure learn the yeah. playbook and that's helpful and so um what i would tell you is so far so good for justin ross i'm seriously considering him for my second iteration of the 53-man roster and we will see um what it means for him that that tony uh is now unlikely to be available toward the beginning of the season i just think it opens up an opportunity and uh, and I'm glad I didn't make another cake bet on this because I, I fear <laughs> that I would be getting uh, a sugar rush once again. So that's the I'm, first. I'm glad you didn't make the cake bet, too. I'm just yes. I just want that on the record. Yeah. yeah. OK. <laughs> no, like eating a hat. No, no eating your tweet. Nothing. OK. Uh, so Justin Ross, I talked about that second thing from the first days of camp that actually matter is come on with generic Prince. My goodness, Tulsa, what are you doing? Not throwing to this guy. If you look at his college stats, he doesn't have a ton of receptions in any of the years that he was at Tulsa. And he has been, if not one of the most sure handed players, skill players at camp so far, generic Prince. Now, uh, we want to just pencil him in and say, see you later, McKinnon. You're old now. You're old news. We're going to lean into the new and shiny but now we're going to get pads on Friday, John. A, a key for this for Daneric Prince, uh, in addition to catching the football and catching it in stride and bursting up the field on these wheel routes and such, is going to be what is he going to do in these blocking drills when it's running back versus uh, a, a linebacker and it's one-on-one, you know, and, and you have to see, okay, can you pass protect? Because that would be the role that he's going to fill. We talked about how healthy Isaiah Pacheco uh, is. He's the early down back. I mean, I, I and I think he's one of the better early down back in the league backs in the league. Um, and and not to get into another topic, he's part of the problem with these running backs not getting paid. Like he's the he's the face of it. Like remember oh when boy, Eric here we go. Remember when Eric Bieniemy was the face of of like the coaches getting screwed. I think Isaiah Pacheco is probably the face of um, running backs getting screwed. Anyway, back to the, the topic at hand. You know, I I think. Prince for me projects more as that third down back in 2024 because he has to learn to pass protect. But if he somehow comes out here and can pass protect early on and the chiefs feel good about it, there could be something brewing real early with, with Prince. And if not like just to replace McKinnon, it's like, let's conserve McKinnon for his classic thing that he's done these past two years, which is 
dominate down the stretch, just save him up, you know? And so um, Daenerys Prince, uh, to me, has been maybe the most impressive offensive player of training camp so far. He's certainly shown plenty so far, and you got to love that. Just like Justin Ross has. I mean, we, you know, we get all worked up about expectations and we don't sometimes just say flat out, this guy has looked great. That's true of Ross. It's true of Prince as well. And um, so that's a great sign going forward, just like it is for Ross. We just have to see where it all goes. Yeah. Prince is somebody to monitor, monitor number 34. If you're going to camp this weekend, if you end up just watching the games on TV, uh, he is someone that's going to have to perform in the preseason games. I have him as a lock to make the roster. Daneric Prince is a, a lock lock to, to be on this roster. It's just a matter of the, if the chiefs end up keeping three or four running backs as you're, right. you're doing these computations in your head. Uh, I think the guy that's on the cusp of being in or out on the bubble, if you will, it's probably Clyde. Uh, I, I, I favor Clyde making the roster, but I think he's really the only question mark of um, that room in particular. All right. Uh, so we got through two. Now the third of five things from the first days of camp that actually matter. Man, I, I think the free agent pickups on both sides of the ball have really had nice early camps. Richie James looks like a player uh, that is waiting to have a bigger role on the team and not just the punt returner, which I, I think he will be the punt returner for this team. But I think, when it comes to the offense, especially again, now that, you know, you're, you know, in those games that Tyree kill was out, you're like, Oh, the chiefs are going to spread the football and everyone's going to get involved. Now that Tony might be out for a period of time. could be that thing where Kelsey of course is going to get his yardage, but you're going to see four targets, three targets, seven targets, three, you know, of the rest of the team. And I think Richie James could have a role on offense as well. He's quick. Uh, he has burst. He's been making guys miss on one of the early days of camp. He made Nazi Johnson, um, completely miss, and there was a, a gasp from the crowd of like how shifty he is. So uh, a James, and then I'll, I'll let you weigh in, John. But uh, B Drew Tranquil, Drew Tranquil today, and I mentioned it on the the Arrowhead report, the training camp report with Steve. Nick Bolton was sick today. Who got the green dot? It wasn't Willie Gay? It wasn't the returner from last year? It was Drew Tranquil, and they're having him learn all three positions. Steve Spagnuolo threw him right in the fire today. It didn't seem like the defense really skipped a beat and he had two pass breakups yesterday. The one thing that I like is he got his hands on the ball, went through his hands a little bit, fell to the ground and he was livid. He was slamming the ground like a baby. Like you don't want to see him <laughs> in a tantrum situation, but it's day three of training camp, uh, you know, of a 48 million day training camp. And he is upset that he's not picking the ball off. So this matters to him. Uh, I had mentioned to Steve, I saw a clip, uh, of the franchise coming up where he's excited to pick Justin Herbert off on the Arrowhead stadium field, pointing out where he's going to pick him off uh, easy player to like. And so really I think two role player pickups for the chiefs, but two, I really like, and Ron Cott mentioned this, John about drew in particular, if he becomes the dime linebacker for the team and he is playing uh, in the base and in the nickel looks, he may end up leading the linebackers and snaps and how unbelievable to maybe even have that prospect we might be getting ahead of ourselves. I know, I know we have to keep that in mind, but um, uh, just underrated good pickups for Brett Feach and, and so far so good uh, up at training camp. Yeah, neither one of them have been particularly expensive either, which is also very nice. Um, and I, I think in, I've, I have seen people for both players say, I can't believe that their previous teams let them go, that the Giants let um, James go and that the Chargers let uh, Tranquil go. 
Um, you know, they both put up really impressive numbers for the situations that they were in. I think even more so with Tranquil. Uh, I mean, the numbers he put up last year, I just, it makes you wonder what was going on in Los Angeles that they felt that they couldn't keep him on. But so far, we've seen no indication of any kind of a problem, a chemistry problem or an attitude problem or anything like that. So maybe they're just dumb out there in Los Angeles. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't no, explain the, it. The, it. The Chiefs fan go-to is maybe they should get some fans out there. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I forgot never met a Charger yeah. fan in my life. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I agree. I don't know. He led the Chargers in tackles. You would think that you'd want to keep that guy around for as cheap as he can. Sure. Yeah. Well, that'd be like the Chiefs letting go of Nick Bolton after his rookie contract is up. It'd be the same. It's essentially the equivalent thing. I don't see that happening. Do you? No. No. I I think there's a couple guys that they're prioritizing. I I think once Jones is done, which is the new, if Tony stays healthy, but once Jones is done, I had mentioned Dunlap, but as far as extensions go, you have to turn your attention to Bolton. Sneed, Humphrey, and Smith. So you think contract talk is over here on the Airhead Pride Podcast Network? You pick again. <laughs> All right. So five things from the first days of camp that actually matter. Mentioned Justin Ross, mentioned Prince, mentioned James, mentioned Tranquil. I mentioned him in a negative way in the past point, but number four, the 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 big story I think of training camp these past two days, not Jalen Watson, not Josh Williams, not Nick Jones, Nazi Johnson is that nickel cornerback. And so let's be clear here. Nazi's not kicking inside with the first team, but you have Lejarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie on the outside, the boundary. And when they go into the nickel, it's been Nazi Johnson last year, seventh rounder that's been coming on. He had three pass breakups of Blaine Gabbert on Tuesday. And so they rewarded him now with some, or maybe it was Monday and they rewarded him the past two days with um, playing with the first team, defense and uh, he has seemingly been been holding his own here and I, I think the Chiefs are really seeing what they have by the way if you're wondering who's been kicking into the slot it's mostly been McDuffie not to say LeJarrius Sneed has not done it but I, I think they're eyeing Sneed Island this year let's put him on the, the best receiver that the other club has like they were doing toward the end Trent McDuffie is going to be our slot guy when you go into the nickel and I think there's a battle for that third cornerback that we didn't expect. I think we, we kind of thought it would be Jalen Watson or like they did last year, Jalen Watson and Josh Williams, depending on right. the looks. Whereas mm-hmm. we have a surprise newcomer, John, Nazi Johnson, uh, that will be vying for that third cornerback spot. Member of the thundering herd from Marshall University. I always like always like to see players from that school. Yeah, uh, they they have quite a tradition, a football tradition there at Marshall. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, uh, that's right. Well, so. okay, so I'm influenced by movies. Sue me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, what a story that was, of course, back in, when it was a real thing. But uh, yeah, this is a player that the Chiefs have been high on uh, as a special teams player. And this is exactly how guys make it in the NFL, is that they they make their way onto a special teams roster and they make plays in special teams while they gain experience. And then after a year or two, they find roles uh, on the offensive or defensive unit. And that's exactly what we're seeing with Nazi Johnson. And um, so he that makes him a great story. And uh, we'll just have to see how it plays out, of course. But, um, man, the Chiefs are certainly doing a great job at finding uh, players late in the draft. 
And uh, and Nazi Johnson, if he becomes a significant player for the Chiefs this year, will be yet another example of that. Yeah, I, we have no shortage of praise for Brett Veach on this show, but I think something that we haven't talked about enough, uh, and I know that rookie contracts are always associated with the quarterback. We know about the tremendous job he did to get a starting center and a starting right guard in, in their rookie years and on that rookie deal, and, and that was important. But, John, you're looking at a cornerback room of Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, Nazi Johnson, and I project Nick Jones. That's six cornerbacks who are pretty damn good, and all of them at this point, as we're recording here at 5 o'clock on Wednesday, are in their rookie deals. They're yeah. still in their rookie deals, all six. Now, if yeah. Jones gets done, and who knows, um, I know that, uh, there's someone in West Virginia that runs a football blog that wants Mahomes to get done really badly. If maybe there's more money and maybe Sneed gets done, John. Maybe Sneed gets done. Yeah. And yeah. But as of right now, as we're talking, um, all six rookie contracts. That's really impressive. It is, and of course, at the same time, that can cause you problems down the road when all of those bills come due at the end of those rookie contracts, you know, let's say for example, that Jalen Watson and Trent McDuffie and uh, Joshua Williams all play the rest of their rookie contracts and become great players for the chiefs. Well, they're all going to be looking for new contracts at essentially the same time. I guess Trent McDuffie will be a year further down the road because he's a first round pick, but you see the problem here is that they can add up really quickly. Think about about the Patriots dynasty, right? Yeah. Watching afar from Kansas City, you probably some off seasons were like, they cut who? What? Yeah, right. They're available yeah. now? Yeah. Because when you're a damn good football team, eventually you gotta like make a really hard decision. Like, I think we, this sucks to say. I think we live in a world where the Chiefs just straight up walk away from Nick Bolton. I don't I hope that doesn't happen, right? Like you don't or they say, you know what? Trey Smith is a little too expensive to keep everybody like you have to make some tough decisions at a certain point. And so that is part of um, being a dynasty. That's part of winning a lot of championships. That's part of drafting well. And uh, those are in a weird way, the the tough decisions that you want to be making. It's the best Mm -hmm. teams in the league that have to figure out how to continue to keep the cap uh, number under. All right. And part of the problem with that too, is also a structural issue with the CBA in that, particularly with regard to players like Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, who are interior offensive linemen, there's just one franchise tag number for offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. So if you have a guy that becomes, you know, gets the end of his rookie contract and is a free agent, if you want to franchise that tech franchise tag, that guy, and he's a center, you have to pay him the same amount of money you'd pay a tackle. Now that's, that's, that's fouled up. If you ask me, that's something that needs to change because it's not fair uh, to offensive linemen because they don't get nearly as much opportunity to stay with their original teams. After all, the two best centers the Chiefs have had have both walked in free agency um, in, in recent years, I should say. Rodney Hudson um, and Mitch Morse. Uh, Mitch Morse, yes, of course. Yeah. Those two those two guys are the best centers the Chiefs had had in you know forever. Well, Creed and better yet, not be good somewhere else, John. That's all. That's I'm well, exactly. And but that's kind of it's kind of set up for that the way that they have yeah. got this structured with the offensive line being on the same level all of, all the way across it. So 
I think that's more of a messed up thing than the value of running backs, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> we have we have a lot of work to do with this NFL. All yeah. right. Justin Ross and Eric Prince. I mentioned the free agent pickups, Nazi Johnson and the underrated, underrated story about the six cornerbacks all on rookie deals. Uh, final thing from the first days of camp that actually matter. And I'll be honest, this last one is maybe something that not uh, actually matters, but it's part bold predictions. Just what I'm seeing out there. I think Noah Gray is going to be a thing this year. I really do. I'm seeing him at camp. He looks as comfortable as he ever has before. We, I think I've gotten obsessed with the wide receiver room as both uh, reporters, certainly as a fan base, is too obsessed with the wide receiver room. There are different ways to win football games. I think the Chiefs lean into to their running backs. I think they ground and pound with Isaiah Pacheco again. I think they use Daneric Prince and Jarek McKinnon, as we've discussed and as you saw at the end of last year, where you have those checkdowns and they're able to have a little bit of space and jet their way into the end zone. Uh, pun pun intended there. I think you see a lot of 12 where there's two tight ends, three tight ends on the field, and you're going a little bit heavier. And then you kind of caught catch the the opposing defenses off guard where you take these deep shots every once in a while. I just think, you know, we we are always looking to the receiver room. Where it's like, well, who's going to replace Juju Smith-Schuster? Like, how are they going to continue to replace all the production that Tyreek Hill had, especially now that Kadarius Tony? This is the thing about Andy Reid. He 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 adopts the offense to what he has. And so right. if he doesn't feel like he has the receivers, the a talent at receiver to win a football game, you know what he'll do? He'll lean to the tight ends. I think there's going to be more opportunity for Noah Gray. He's lived in this gigantic Travis Kelsey shadow uh, for a long time. And maybe I need to quantify it. Let's say somewhere between five and 800 yards for Noah Gray and a couple touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, and I think you see even more of three tight end sets with, with Jody Fortson along for the ride. Uh, but, you know, the point being is um, I'm I'm putting my proverbial flag into the, the dirt here <laughs> for for Noah Gray. I think this is the year that you start to pay more attention to tight end, too. Well, I think that's an excellent uh, idea. And I think that we sh- we saw last year uh, an example of it because we had the same conversation a year ago. Yeah. Uh, what are they going to what are the Chiefs going to do without Tyreek Hill? Now we're just saying what are the Chiefs going to do without Juju Smith-Schuster? And KT potentially, yeah. Right. And and it's the same argument. And what the Chiefs did was that they threw more balls to tight ends and running backs. Uh Travis Kelsey had a big year. What was it? 1300 some other would he make 1400 yards a 1300 something yeah and then you had Kadarius tony getting not sorry not Kadarius tony um jarek mckinnon yeah getting uh 500 yards as a running back uh which nobody saw coming so you're exactly right what reed did was recognize that he didn't have a, a a big wide receiver core that he could count on so he found other ways to get his pass production and Patrick Mahomes threw for 5,000 yards and led the and <laughs> I think the Chiefs in the early in games are going to live in the intermediate yep. and they're going to get caught deep. And whether that be to MBS or Sky Moore, maybe Noah yep. Gray runs deep down the field. He was running wide receiver patterns last year toward the end of last year. Maybe it's Justin Ross, but somebody break out in the middle of the game and get those chunk yards and then – the, the defense, it, it, it's seemingly not going to know what to do. And meanwhile, 
right? We always focus on the offense. If the defense is top 10 in defensive efficiency, maybe you don't need to be doing the old chief, the chief thing of scoring 37 points a game. Like maybe you're okay with, you know, playing that ball control game, put 24 on the board and you win a 24, 10 game. Who cares? Right. Like I, I know right. that that's not fun for fantasy football, but Chiefs don't <laughs> care about that as it turns yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, don't. John. Uh, we have gotten through another editor show. We have gotten through what has been a brutal four days of training camp. We entered the the off day tomorrow. We'll keep it locked in on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I know that Steve is recording with the show and BK tonight. You guys did a bad job of giving uh, Brandon any fatherly advice. Now I, I don't know if Brandon will <laughs> be successful as a father. If if you could leave him a tip in the Apple reviews, we would appreciate it. We will, of course, read any kind of review right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Show So long as you give us five stars, that's the key. We're happy to be back into what is the on-season for Kansas City Chiefs football. Keep it locked in for the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We will give you a training camp report with myself and Steve every day from the podium. We'll provide the press conferences and keep it locked in on the website uh, as well. We will have updates and observations, articles and such each and every day. For John Dixon, my name is Pete Tweeney. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.